Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Horsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. Matthias rejoins us after missing our recap episode with an illness, and I'm sure you were very excited that you did not have to go back through that miserable game against the 49ers. Yeah, uh, I'm still a little sick, but so uh, pardon my uh, my voice. What what it sounds like, but uh, I'm back and I'm it's good to be back. Uh, thankfully, I didn't have to recap like you said that dreadful game. Uh, I probably would have said some curse words on a uh, uh, live on air. So it's probably for the best that I wasn't there, um, and I, I got some time to cool off. And now I'm a. Uh, I'm all ready uh, to tighten up and uh, get ready for this playoff push uh, against the two two of the best teams. Actually, the two best teams in terms of point differential in the NFL over the last two games. So, should be fun. I'm excited. And you're you're coming down to our neck of the woods tomorrow, right? Oh yeah. Well, I'm not gonna be there until Saturday, yeah. but I'll be in Nashville this weekend uh, for for the Rams game, and I'm also gonna be at the the Jaguars game. Um, Week 17, as long as it matters. If it doesn't matter, no promises. But uh, <laughs> I, I love going to Nissan Stadium. It's always a good time. Uh, it always gets rowdy. And uh, it's going to be cold. Definitely not cold in Miami. So it uh, should be fun. Um, so the Pro Bowl players were announced on Tuesday. And for the Titans, that was uh, punter Brett Kern, left tackle Taylor Lewan, and... Um, Defensive tackle Jarrell Casey. There was a lot of beef that Kevin Byard didn't get in because he won the fan vote, but he did not apparently fare fare very well when it came to the coaches' votes and the players' votes. Uh, let's save Kevin Byard discussion for just a minute, but let's talk about the players that did make it. Uh, Kern is uh, likely going to break an NFL punting record this year for gross average. Uh, Jarrell Casey. Hasn't had his best season as a Titan, but his previous seasons have been so freakish that his his not best season is still good enough to make the Pro Bowl. And Taylor Lewan is a guy you don't hear his name very often anymore. Like you used to hear his name all the time because he was getting like holding and illegal shift penalties, but now you don't hear his name because he's become one of the league's elite left tackles. And, uh, you know, there's some beef with Byard and Woodyard, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But but just with these three guys, uh, they're all three guys that the Titans are lucky to have. Yeah, uh, I think Kern and Luan were, were absolutely deserving. Kern is having one of the best seat, punting seasons in NFL history, um, and Luan has been as dependable as ever. Uh, and a lot of his previous antics are definitely behind him. Uh, he still gets the occasional unnecessary roughness penalty, uh, but he's just so consistent, and uh, I feel like he's po- probably our most reliable player on the team uh, who mm. just comes in every week. He does his job, and uh, he's also become more of a leader over the over the last two seasons, um, and I think that's a big part of why uh, they've been Pro Bowl seasons. Um, as for Casey... Uh, I'm not sure if this was the right season for him to be a pro bowler, uh, but I think it's pretty cool that he's earned the the recognition of, of his peers um, and, uh, to the point where he's just he's he's getting that starting nod. Um, a lot of it based on reputation, but he's also had 
a fine season, uh, not as dominant as some of his previous seasons. Uh, but he's been pretty good, and he's kind of turned it on over the over the latter half of the season. So it, it's I, good to see him in there. Too. I will say quickly on Casey, you know, it could be a thing where you know Aaron Donald, who we'll get to because he's he, the Titans face him this weekend. He's obviously the best defensive tackle in the NFL. But with guys like JJ Watt and other uh, defensive tackles and inside guys that have previously been very dominant, with with those guys coming out, being injured and sort of mm-hmm. phasing out. If you're a player sitting down to fill out your Pro Bowl ballot, you're like, hmm, who's a defensive tackle I can put down? And then you're like, oh, yeah, we played Jarrell Casey last year and don't really know about this year, but that guy's a freak. Like, I feel like that probably yeah. had something to do with it. And it is going to be his third straight Pro Bowl, which says a lot about his level of consistency. I was kind of surprised that uh, he made it over Geno Atkins, who's kind of returned to, to his dominant form this mm-hmm. season. Uh, but, but I think... Uh, Gino playing for the Bengals, who are really bad, uh, and Casey playing for uh, uh, the, the a team that's fighting for the playoffs. Who are yeah, well, pretty bad yeah, as well. But at least we're fighting for the playoffs, I know. <laughs> uh, but maybe that had something to do with it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, Casey, it's a, it's a weird year for Casey, like we said. I think he gets a lot of respect around the NFL for getting 10 sacks as a three technique and then continuing to be one of the best defensive linemen in football as a, you know, a five tech or wherever they want to play him on that line. So um, I think, you know, if you watch those NFL top 100s, he got a lot of credit for that when they talked about him, you know, fitting into def- different defenses and playing in sub packages and doing stuff that defensive linemen don't normally do well. Um, I don't, I don't love it because at times I'm not, not sure he's been the best defensive lineman on the Titans roster. I think Austin Johnson has had a really good year, especially the first half of the year. Um, Sylvester Williams, Williams has come on late, which is not something I thought I would say. He looks really good in the running game. But, you know, for all that, the last four or five games, you know, Casey has been really good. He's been a constant, you know, pass rusher. And he's, you know, given a lot of effort in the running game and never stops when the ball's, you know, swung out on screens or anything like that. So, I mean, he deserves all the credit in the world. I don't know that he deserves to be named, you know, one of the best defensive tackles this year. But, he is, over the past five years, one of the best defensive tackles. So however he can get his Pro Bowls, he, you know, he deserves them. Uh, Lawan is the best left tackle in football that's healthy. Um, and I guess just the best you in football. Said, you said in, in football that's healthy. Because I feel like I might still put uh, Trent Williams in, ahead of him. Is Yeah, and Trent Williams has been hurt too, right? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess Tyron yeah, Smith, I, I would put Lawan over Tyron Smith at this point because yeah, and Smith I, had I, a horrible season re- this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm really not impressed with Smith this year. And, you know, it, Pro Bowls are a weird thing because some years guys get a ton of attention because they have a spike in a certain statistic or something like that. And sometimes they just get it on name value when they should have gotten it the year before. So they all kind of even out in the end. So I'm glad, you know, Tyron Smith is getting his attention now because he does deserve to be, you know, considered one of the best offensive linemen of this, you know, decade. But Lawan has been consistently dominant. You know, he does things that other offensive tackles aren't asked to do or can't do. Uh, I mean, he gets, you know, every time you see those big long runs to Derrick Henry, he's either mashing somebody in or he's getting to the second level and getting the linebacker. And it's things like that that you don't really notice because you're watching the running back a lot that are the difference between a 12-yard gain and a 75-yard touchdown. So, I 
I mean, Lawan for me is the perfect balance of size, prototypical athleticism, uh, aggression, you know, technique, everything he does at a really high level. Mm-hmm. And people fuse, you know, how well he plays with him being, you know, a thug and all that kind of stuff. Whatever. I, I mean, mm-hmm. offensive linemen should be mean. You know, if my quarterback gets hit out of bounds, I want my guy to go walk up to Richard Sherman and put his face right in his face and dare him to do something. I want him finding Richard Sherman after the game and grabbing him by the shoulder pads and talking to him. Like, I, I don't want a guy who's going to act tough for 60 minutes and then go hug and switch out jerseys with a guy that dirty hit their quarterback. I don't have any sort of respect for that. So, you know, say what you want, but – Lawan plays football the way I think football should be played. Um, and that doesn't mean headbutt people and doing stupid stuff that he used to. It means, you know, if you're going you're gonna to play rough, I'll play rough back. And I just happen to be a six foot seven, you know, 300 pound guy who can beat you up and down the field. So, uh, you know, I, I love that. Kern is, you know, nobody knows his name, but maybe they will now. But he has been amazing this year. And there's been a lot of times where. Rubisky set the Titans up for failure and they've ended up in fourth and 15 and had to punt it from their own 10 yard line. And then all of a sudden the ball's inside of the other 20 because Curran yeah. has a great punt it, it that spirals perfect. I mean, he's just been great. You know, it, it's hard to measure the impact of a punter if you don't watch him every play and look at the situations he's getting people out of. But he's just been really good this year. So mm-hmm. let's talk for a second about the Titans. I guess snub is the word people like to use. Um, I, uh, I I thought honestly that uh, Wesley Woodyard for linebackers has had a better season than Kevin Byard has for safeties. Because l- let's be honest, Kevin Byard's stats are crazy, but that's because he had that ridiculous two-game span where he had five interceptions. Aside from that five-game span, he really hasn't made that much of an impact. And last week, specifically, he had probably his worst game as a Titan. So, I understand the players and the coaches picking Eric Weddle over Kevin Byard. And I understand that he won the fan vote, but probably because of his six interceptions, which are second in the NFL. But Wesley Woodyard, has, to not even be named an alternate, which he wasn't, but Wesley Woodyard has had... I'm just going to say it. He, he's had the best season I've seen from a Titans linebacker since Keith Bullock. Yeah, he's been he's been an Iron Man this season. It, it, it's been amazing to watch. Um, and I'm pretty sure the players and coaches that voted, uh, I, I'm not sure they even watched the games because Wesley Woodyard's been one of the best linebackers in football uh, this season. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else you want. You can even look at the numbers. He has five sacks and he's a middle linebacker. Uh, and he had that amazing play against the Colts. Um, I think it, I think it was on a fourth down, uh, where he ran from the middle of the field uh, to tackle Jacoby Brissett before he got to the first down marker. Um, and he's done he's done that multiple times. Um, he's just he's been a playmaker. Um, I really think he's only had one bad game. I think it was the Steelers game, um, but that was because he was playing against Le'Veon Bell. Uh, so really can't fault them too much for that one. Uh, but he's one of, been one of the most dependable players for the Titans, especially on defense. Uh, and he's kind of solidified that linebacker position, uh, which for so many years has kind of been like a um, just a turning, uh, overturning. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how he wasn't even named an alternate. That is uh, malpractice, as we love to say. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think it's weird because I think Bayard and Woodyard both got the wrong end of the stick, but for the opposite reasons. I like to think the coaches that watch, you know, and the players that watch the games upvoted uh, Woodyard and said, you know, he's a really good player, but nobody knows him, and that's why he didn't get the fan vote, and that didn't push him into the play or into the Pro Bowl. And then I think Bayard was the opposite, although. I don't know how you can argue that Byard wasn't one of the best safeties in the NFL. I mean, oh, he absolutely this, was, but I don't know that he was necessarily better over the course of the entire season than Eric Weddle. Yeah, but I mean, was he better than Rashad Jones? I mean, it like mm. if you're gonna if you're gonna it, it okay, so what does Rashad Jones have to do with this? Because he's he's the other safety that got in. Well, it's free safety, no, strong was, safety. Sure. Okay, but offensive tackles labeled offensive tackle. So safety isn't away. though. <laughs> Safety's not. Well, then, safety then is then just free safety, strong safety. Then that's an incorrect way to label it. How can you judge in the NFL now? You don't have Bernard Pollard and uh, Ed Reed. You don't have a true defined strong safety and a true defined free safety. Kevin Byard played in the box more last year than almost any safety. You know, I've seen the Titans. Well, that's well, because the Titans' other safety was uh, Denoris Cersei. Yeah, but shouldn't you give it? I mean, I, I don't know. I I just don't like the idea of arbitrarily calling guys. Why is there three safeties on the AFC team? I'm confused. Uh, because Micah Hyde is some reason for some reason listed as a strong safety, which doesn't make any sense. But it, it, well, it, sure. Rashad it, Jones and Hyde are both free safeties. Why are they listed as strong safeties? If you, if you want to call somebody, like, you have to give me the parameters to define why somebody's a strong safety and a free safety. Yeah. And you're going to say, I mean, you might say one's in coverage more. But show me the numbers. It's, show it's, me al- how it's almost like saying, like, we're going to vote in a right defensive end and a left defensive end. Like, what? Yeah. It, it's pretty you're interchangeable. Right. It's the coaches saying, how can we get these coaches and players saying, how can we get these guys in despite the fact that Kevin Byard leads the fan vote? And they said, well, we can classify him as a free safety and he'll get the second most votes for a free safety and then we'll just take the top two strong safeties, which is nonsense. None of that makes any – it doesn't validate this at all, which is another reason why the Pro Bowl is getting more and more like a joke is because you know if you want to do it right, do it like the All-Pro list. Say, this is the best left tackle, this is the best left guard, This and then – just say safeties. Don't say strong safety. Don't say free safety because you are not in a position to judge which place they play. Strong side linebacker and weak side linebacker, you can judge. You know what the strong side of a formation and the weak side of a formation is. But just because, you know, if there's trips to one side, the free safety will probably go over there instead of the strong safety, but that is probably the strength call of the offense. So it, it, it doesn't make sense logically because it's not an easily defined position like everything else. It's more of an amorphous concept. You know, right mm-hmm. now you're playing here because you're playing left safety or right safety, you know. Uh, so, it, it's like, you know, left outside wide receiver, right outside wide receiver, left outside cornerback, right out. Like some, some people like Richard Sherman, Marcus Peters are only going to play on one side. But is that to say like, Okay, well, Patrick Peterson, he's the, he's a right corner. Like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, I, it just yeah. it doesn't make any sense. It's it's all based off perception, and I, I mean, I don't think there's necessarily a great bias or anything, but I think the coaches and players think 
they understand more than the fans, and they probably do. So they try to get their guys in, and that's the only way you can explain, you know, the person who is leading the votes not getting in when three safeties got in. Uh, I have a more egregious uh, oversight. And, uh, I mean, this has, yeah, non Titans. I, I, I don't, I don't really want to dwell on it that much. But how did Tyreek Hill get in over, over Cordero, Cordero Patterson? That is ridiculous. Tyreek Hill, Hill hasn't done anything. He's had a punt he return had one touchdown. Okay, one. I he's think that was one. That was I, I twentieth in on, yards per punt return. On my ballot, I put uh, Tyreek Hill for that, but that's mainly because like I needed an excuse to get him in because right. he's so good. Sure, that's fair. But I mean, Adoree has more uh, more yards per return in both punts and kickoffs. Although I don't think no Tyreek Hill hasn't been returning kickoffs this year. But I don't know, man. It, it's well, just, this is not, all a, a popularity. Really, nobody in the NFL has been returning kickoffs for the past like five years. But that's a fair point. That's a fair point. It's a ritual <laughs> at this point, right? We just kick it through the end zone as as like a sacred ritual, and then the offense gets the ball at the twenty-five. It's annoying. I miss kickoff returns. Yeah, the Titans had a good one uh, last weekend where they kicked it to the one and made a great tackle to the fifteen. Yeah. And I was like as excited about that as I as I am when we have the chance to return a kick. I mean, like you just never see that anymore. And especially from the Titans, you're just used to them getting the ball and taking yeah. it to 35. So uh, Titans injury report uh, brought to you by the Mike Malarkey press conferences. Um, no LaShawn Sims. Potentially no Logan Ryan. He, he has not practiced all week, although he's a guy that if he's good to go on game day, it's not going to matter whether he's practiced or not because he's a veteran. But um, I want to read a, a tweet. Uh, I sent this to Will earlier today. I, I put on Twitter, I said, a world without Logan Ryan and LaShawn Sims is a world where Bryce McCain and Ty Smith will have to cover Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Sammy Watkins. And this guy, <laughs> whose name I, I won't mention, if you, you can figure out what his name is if you go to my Twitter, he says, you say that like these are some all-pro guys. They're just good receivers who play in a great offense. Woods and Cup don't strike beer on name alone. It's that offense. And I said, do you feel um. more confident in Logan Ryan or Bryce McCain covering Sammy Watkins? And he said, no need to ask questions you know the answer to. Point is, Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup are not that much more talented than a Dory Jackson, Bryce McCain, Ty Smith. If it's a bloodbath, it's more... Okay, I'm done reading now. This guy apparently thinks... Yeah. Dory Jackson, he's really good. This guy apparently thinks that Ty Smith and Bryce McCain are going to be able to hold their own against Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And if they're not, it's because of a scheme problem. I could go out there and run a double move against Bryce McCain. And I'm a slow 5'8 white guy. That's like, true. They suck. <laughs> That's true. Now, granted, Ty Smith, I've never really watched him play corner because he hasn't. Bryce McCain, you name search on Twitter. So I hope you listen to this. You're not very good at playing quarterback. You're just not. It's not your thing. Well, yeah, hot you, take. You've made it like an eight or yeah. nine year NFL career out of that. That that was my uh, Clay Travis Michael Rappaport moment. I will now go back into being the level-headed host. Didn't Bryce McCain do that? He like jumped into someone's Twitter. He's, he's jumped into my Twitter before. 
defending oh, himself. It was you. Because I like misreported right. that Luke. I said uh, Bryce McCain, who ran a four three four two something at the combine, uh, thinks he's faster than Tyreek Hill. Dot dot dot. And his response wasn't like that time was wrong or I didn't actually say that. His response was didn't go to the combine. That was a pro day time. Pro day times are faster than combine times. Right. <laughs> I don't remember the time that uh, this is completely unrelated, but equally filled with hate that uh, Jalen Tabor ran slower at his pro day than at his. Uh, he ran like almost a five yard or five second forty. Um, Did Tabor so run like a four eight or something like that? Like Toronto yeah, instead had a faster forty than Tabor. Hold on, it was terrible. Bryce McCain ran a four two something forty. No, I think I think you misspoke. No, at his pro day, I'm pretty sure it's four three three. Uh, and how does he get burned all the time? Because he's like thirty. He's thirty one. That was right. ten years ago. It's weird. Probably shouldn't be playing on an NFL team, huh? Yeah. It's I don't know. <laughs> this is the Bryce McCain hate podcast. Like, yeah, we'll come get y'all. Uh, Bryce McCain, sir. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, like, he's 5'9, 187. It's not like I'm scared of him beating us up or anything. McCain was legitimately one of the better corners we had last year. And and that's partly an indictment oh, on Parrish Cox and no, Lady No, he was. Well, I mean, yeah. Technically. But, rel- relatively. Technically, <laughs> Kalen Reed was one of the best corners on the team last year, but that's because he was on the practice squad and never played. <laughs> it's fair. I don't he know. hasn't gotten a fair I shake, by the way. I don't just, Bryce McCain just—I I don't understand it. I, I get Ty Smith because he was out for one play against Miami, and he had an interception in his one play as a corner. That was so, awesome. Like, I, I mean, all credit With the to assist him. from Wesley Woodyard, Pro Bowl snub. Pro Bowl snub. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I just don't understand. Like, going into the season and looking at your fourth. You know, fourth corner is always something that's hard to do because you have other needs. But this team has got to go into this offseason thinking, okay, I need a guy who can start outside because Bryce McCain and LaShawn Sims, as much as, much as I think LaShawn Sims has occasionally stepped up and made some big plays, you know, he essentially won the Kansas City and the uh, Houston game for us with, with, you know, two big picks in the end zone both times. But you know, I'm, I mean, do you see anything from him that consistently screams that he can hold up if he gets targeted 10 to 12 times a game? Because that's what's going to happen if you play opposite of Dorian Logan Ryan. But it's the, that injury report we have, if Logan Ryan doesn't play, is an absolute nightmare. And it doesn't matter how many pass rushers we have healthy, you know, if Morgan comes back or whatever, it it's just not going to go well because they're just going to get the ball out quick and get it in the flat. They're going to find a way to get Avery Williamson against Todd Gurley because they know LeBeau will do that, and it's going to get him killed. So we, we mentioned it earlier. The Rams on defense have uh, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. <laughs> Funny, on defense, they have a defensive player. <laughs> and, uh, I, no, I'm not talking about uh, Tremaine Johnson. I'm not talking about uh, – Mark Barron. I am talking about um, Aaron Donald, who this week has the pleasure, and it's going to be a tough battle, of going against uh, two undrafted guards and Quentin Spain and Josh Klein. <laughs> it's not going to be good. It's going to no, be is, so ugly. 
This because, is going to be an absolute um, destruction at the he, hands of Aaron Donald. Here's the thing. When you have an edge rusher like Khalil Mack, Vaughn Miller, you just chip them with a tight end. We talked about that before the mm-hmm. show. What do you do when you have a defensive tackle? Like this, That's why this team has never been able to block J.J. Watt. Because it's hard to like say, okay, we're going to double team him with the center. Like that, It just doesn't really work that way. Yeah, and it's going to be even harder to work because all three players on the interior of our have offensive line, awful. they've been terrible over the past couple weeks. So, I mean, even if you're doubling him with Ben Jones and, and Klein or Ben Jones and Quentin Spain, um, I don't know what you're going to accomplish, to be honest with you. Uh, and if you do that, you're going to leave Michael Brockers one-on-one. You're going to leave Robert Quinn one-on-one. Uh, even Connor Barwin one on one, and I don't. This is, this is the, a potentially catastrophic matchup. Um, the Rams' defensive line against against the interior of our offensive line. So, I mean, th- they're going to have to get it together somehow. Uh, they're going to have to get the ball out really quickly. Um, I mean, I, I'm not worried about Robert Quinn because Taylor LeJuan is gonna, just going to stonewall him right, like yeah. he does everyone else. But, mm-hmm. man, Donald, what do you think, Will? Okay, so, so there's a couple things you can do with uh, interior defensive linemen to help stymie kind of their rush. The smartest thing to do, and what we won't do because we have an incompetent coaching staff, is to run a lot of stretch runs and bootlegs. What that does is it makes guys have to stay uh, maintain gap integrity. So let's say he's on the left side of Ben Jones in the left A-gap and that's where the strength is, mm-hmm. uh, you boot towards his side to where he can't penetrate and close. He has to kind of flow with that A-gap and hold that spot, and you make him run laterally back and forth so much that he doesn't you know, have that ability to tee off or anything like that. You do stuff like that a lot to make him tired and rotate out and all that, which teams do a lot, so it's, it's harder than it sounds. Another thing you can do is you can do what's called a line shift, which is where you can have uh, like Reno, Lucy, like R and L kind of keywords tip that off. What happens is everybody on the offensive line will take a slide step to their right or to their left, and you can make it a focal point that your running back is going to have to pick up the man that your interior line lets through on the side where Aaron Donald is, knowing that they're going to double-team him. So you can have – so let's say Donald's in a three-technique, and you have on the right side, and you have a Reno call, and you're going to line shift to the right. So then Klein would reach for uh, Donald's outside shoulder, and Jones would step two, and they would kind of form a wall there and either make him run outside underneath Conklin or try to beat the double team inside because you're trying to take away the quickest path from the quarterback or from the quarterback to the defensive tackle. So you shift that way and you help like that. Then you have uh, everybody else take a step that way, but your running back stays in the backfield making sure that there's no no looping defensive lineman or a linebacker coming on an opposite A-gap blitz because you know that Ben Jones has to scream over. Long long story short is if you're intelligent, you can wear out a defensive tackle like this and make it real hard on him or double-team him like the Patriots do when they have a defensive lineman they don't want to deal with all night. What Rubisky's going to do is he's going to call jet sweep motion with Taewon Taylor and not hand it to him and pitch it to Derrick Henry on the short side and get him killed. 
So all of the good ideas in the world don't matter if you don't execute them or if you don't understand when to call them. But there are ways to limit Aaron Donald. That's why you know he's not a 20, 30 sack a year guy, especially for an interior guy who generally gets good matchups. So I, I don't know. I think they're going to trust Spain and Klein on an island with occasional chips, which is really dangerous to do, especially with Mariota kind of you know, trying to limp through the season and finish it, even though he keeps getting banged up every week. But uh, I don't know. I have serious concerns. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird. Uh, as much uh, defensive front talent that the Rams have, um, even in their entire front seven, really, uh, they're really bad against the run. Uh, they're the third worst team against the run in terms of yards per attempt allowed. So, I mean, this is a team you can, you can totally run on. Um, they're much better in pass defense. Uh, the problem is that the Titans running game hasn't been good um, for weeks. Um, they showed a little bit of life last week, but it really didn't didn't end up being all that great uh, at the end of the game. So, I mean, if the Titans want to get back to their to their roots, their their smash mouth roots, uh, this would be the, the game to do it in, uh, especially considering the Rams offense is so high powered. You really want to keep them off the field. Um, so this should be a game where the Titans run the ball a lot. Um, but I just I, I don't know how they're going to be successful with the interior of the offensive line not playing well. Uh, and the running backs not playing all that well either. So, um, but th- it's definitely an exploitable matchup. Jared Goff, uh, the Rams have him really because of the Titans, because uh, Jeff Fisher and the old regime offered John Robinson a deal that no one would have refused. Basically, half the draft for Jared Goff. The Rams get Jared Goff. The Titans get Jack Conklin, All-Pro right tackle. Derek Henry. Austin Johnson, tight end Johnu Smith, fifth overall pick wide receiver uh, Corey Davis. I don't know that it's necessarily one-sided because, you know, you it's hard to put a value on a franchise quarterback. But then again, if you look at the 49ers and all they gave up for their franchise quarterback was a two. So I mean, it was a very lopsided deal when you look at the amount of talent the Titans got. But the Rams got something that is it's hard to put a value on, and that's Jared Goff. Yeah, I mean, before this season, uh, that deal was looking like an absolute steal. Um, And I think now, uh, if you'd ask both fan bases, I think they'd both be uh, completely fine with how those trades panned out, Uh, especially now that the Rams uh, got a coach that's innovative and creative, and uh, he really knows how to use uh, the guy that they they used their first first overall pick on. yeah, I mean, Jared Goff has looked really good uh, o- over the course of this season. Uh, whether it lasts, we'll see. But him paired with McVay um, kind of makes that that trade worth it um, because, like you said, just getting a franchise quarterback is, is invaluable in this league. Um, you see so many teams that are stuck in this, this QB purgatory uh, for so many years, and they never get their guy. Uh, and they're stuck in the middle, and uh, the Rams made that trade to get their guy, um, and the Titans m- made the trade to move back because they already had their guy, uh, and they were able to stockpile uh, some talent, although uh, so some of those uh, talent pieces haven't panned out yet, but uh, there's still time um, for, for both sides, um, and I, I think it worked out well uh, for both teams. 
okay, so this is going to sound like uh, I'm just, you know, trying to give a hot take or something like that. I'm not really sure that uh, golf is that good. And what I mean by that is <laughs> it was terrible his first year without McVeigh. And McVeigh comes in and brings us offense with great concepts. And they have an aggressive defense run by Wade Phillips. And, I mean, everything, you know, they've gotten a new left tackle. They went out and got a bunch of wide receivers. It looks like a great job of building and instead of Jared Goff took the next step. Because Jared Goff, this is the eighth step from where he was. He, he was nowhere close to this last year. I'm not convinced that if you put in, like, an old boot and you put a football on it, that it couldn't put up the same amount of passing yards. I mean, he's – the McVeigh scheme is, I mean, beautiful. The concepts are innovative. <laughs> it's just great. Like, it's just, it's so refreshing to watch somebody scheme things up so well. You can tell by how much better Todd Gurley's playing. And we can argue whether the curse of Jeff Fisher holding people back or whatever. But, I mean, whatever it is, whatever McVeigh is putting the water there, everybody at every position is playing better whether it's wide receiver, running back, quarterback, offensive line, tight end, defensive players, everybody. And it's just because they're coached so much better. So the good news is the Rams have a guy that can run that scheme, which maybe I'm wrong and maybe not everybody can run that scheme. So no matter what, they've got their guy. And they've also got the running back they needed, and they went and figured out the other big pieces in free agency. So Mm -hmm. the trade looks good for them. For the Titans, you have to understand they were never going to take a quarterback. And if they did, even if they took Carson Wentz, uh, who I think is the superior prospect pretty clearly to golf, I I don't know that he would be doing any better right now just because this offense is just so muddled and boring and redundant. Why would the Titans have taken Wentz? I, what I was saying is, is they they wouldn't have taken a quarterback, and if they did, I think they would have taken wins. Like if they could have, like you know, if they, if they didn't have to. Mariota, yeah, or it, pa- Paxton Lynch, Paxton right. Lynch. <laughs> but uh, my point is, is that like it, the you know, it's not like they were the quarterbacks the issue. The quarterback's not the issue, and then other people say, you know, well, they could have had. Jalen Ramsey or Joey Bosa and those are two really good young players like Joey Bosa may be we talked about this before the podcast I think Joey Bosa is the best young talent in the NFL my answer to that is Ramsey I forgot about him absolutely I I don't think it's close Bosa is on pace to be the most productive outside linebacker in history he missed his whole first preseason and training camp he came in and ended up the season with double digit sacks averaging i think it's over a sack a game which is like beyond hall of fame numbers i mean it's already like decimated jj watts like early career he's just he's well one of the most Corey davis in his defense missed his whole preseason and and training camp and he has 28 catches for 284 yards so and we're just let's not act like this is about kevin dawn who also missed. <laughs> Kevin Dodd has one yeah, career sack, yeah. but it was against Taylor Decker, a, a pretty good left tackle. Yeah. So, oh, I mean, Ohio State left tackle. The point of all this is that uh, the Titans were going to still end up with Jeremiah Patasi or somebody at right tackle if they didn't get Jack Conklin. And 
I think for John Robinson to feel comfortable taking Jack Conklin, he wanted to trade down and have the leverage to move around without giving up a bunch of assets or taking him with the first pick. So I think this deal worked out best for both teams. I think they kind of got what works for them. And I think long-term, especially if the Titans get new coaches, they'll have a much better security plan for Mariota that fits his abilities and gives him a starting running back, a future tight end that should start, a future X wide receiver, and uh, a defensive lineman who, like I said earlier in the podcast, I thought was one of the best on the team, if not the best, for the first half of the season. So it's one of those rare trades where nobody looks like a fool, but I'm not really sure that you know either team would declare themselves the winner. Does the name yeah. Tid- Titus Davis ring a bell to either of you two? Because I'm reading uh, it. Yes, it does. What is he? He's a practice squad wide receiver, I think, right? Chargers? How did you guys know that? Is it Chargers? Yeah, you're right. I heard. But his older brother is Titans wide receiver Corey Davis. No, younger brother. Younger brother. Yeah. 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 Which is super weird. Yeah, I I read that earlier in the season. It's like the Manning brothers. No, he's on the Bears. He's on the Bears. Exactly like the Manning brothers. Corey is going to be, to be on uh, the Chargers. Peyton and Titus will be Eli. Did you say he's on the Bears? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, Peyton. I said Chargers. Yeah, he I, signed with the Chargers out of out of out of college. Yeah, and he signed with the Bears as preseason. Because I think Jim White did a story on it. Shout out to Jim White, future friend of the podcast. Future friend of the podcast. <laughs> they look exactly the same, by the way. Oh my god, they're yeah. definitely brothers. Racing. So. uh... <laughs> <laughs> we've we've hit on pretty much everything uh we talked about Gurley, donald the receivers for for uh, los angeles and, and golf so as we close uh let's let's pick a key to victory for the titans key to the game. because honestly you know i think one key to the game is logan ryan playing i mean that's something they, they can't really control but if logan ryan plays and this team can keep Todd Gurley to under 80 total yards from scrimmage. I think that's the key to victory. That would be. That would be incredible. Um, I'm going to say keep the Rams under 40 points. Oh, we have a chance. <laughs> the Titans are going to score 40 points. Yeah. I was, if, I Logan, if Logan Ryan doesn't play, the Rams might score 60 points. With 500 passing yards from Jared Goff. The Titans. Because Bryce McCain and Ty Smith are not stopping anyone, man. <laughs> the Titans cannot score. They're, they're incapable of scoring 40 points. They think they th- Are they going to score 40 points by giving Derrick Henry 20 carries and the ghost of DeMarco Murray 20 carries? I said they have a chance. I didn't say they were going to do it. I mean, they, it, <laughs> throwing like two-yard stick routes to their shiny wide receiver Corey Davis who does nothing because they don't let him do anything. So uh, my keys to the game are uh, Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan need to combine for four sacks and get back to the pass rushers that uh, we were used to last year that were a constant force because if they don't get golf off his spot, we are in trouble with the way this offense runs. Is is mm-hmm. uh, uh, Derek Morgan going to play? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, he's going to play. And Logan isn't, by the way. Like I, like I'm giving you, like last the, the will, the will almost insider. Yeah, like <laughs> I can predict, I can predict players 
Jesse Willem won't play, and uh, Matias can predict catastrophic events such as Willem yes. lose badly to the Steelers. Yes. And the Cardinals. Like I said, if... And if Cody Simpson. Yeah, I've gotten them all right, to be honest with you. So uh, pay attention to what I say, guys. If Logan Ryan doesn't play, 60 points from the Rams. No, I'm kidding. Don't, don't. It, it's not happening. When was the last time a team scored 60 points? Uh, I don't know. The Rams just scored 42 the in The Texans Seattle. almost did it to the Titans. Yeah, I think so. Thanks to our friends in Houston. Oh, yeah. I appreciate y'all not putting up 60 and just absolutely ruining my season. Uh, 57. Wow. Yeah, 57, <laughs> but we'll end up in this podcast, baby. But yet, Will doesn't <laughs> think Deshaun Watson is a good quarterback. Yep. <laughs> okay. Deshaun Watson is not that good. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> hey, y'all talk to me about Leonard Fournette, too. The dude, the dude is seriously dragging down the Jaguars, and all I hear is how good he is. Yeah, this offseason, I'm going to have some real hot takes. So. Uh, one of them is Deshaun Watson is not as good as everybody says he is just because he throws up balls and he has receivers that occasionally make plays. But that's fine. You know, whatever. <laughs> you know, the thing is, w- when the Titans lose, we don't just sit around and, like, make angry podcasts. We-, we-, we just talk about how hilarious it is that a team that was supposed to be 12-4 and four is on the brink of being 8-8 eight and eight and missing the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, it's real fun for all of us. We're super excited about it, if you can't tell by our tones. Titan, Ram- I don't even care anymore. Rams at Titans this Sunday. It should be a barn burner. Frankly, I'm not expecting very much, but we'll see. Um, until we're back next week to recap what will hopefully be a Titans win. Uh, for Matisse Wadner and Will Lomas and Bryce McCain, this is Luke Worsham saying, uh, uh, tighten up. And uh, goodbye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.